Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Brother? Damon. Carry on. You were saying something about my impunity. You are to explain your doings with the City Watch. Your new gold cloaks made quite the impression last night, didn't they? Did they? The City Watch is not a sword to be wielded at your whim. They're an extension of the Crown. The Watch was enforcing the Crown's laws. Wouldn't you agree, Lord Strong? My Prince, I don't Making a public spectacle of wanton brutality is hardly in line with our laws. Nobles from every corner of the realm are right now descending upon King's Landing for my brother's tourney. Do you want them mugged, raped, murdered? You mightn't know this unless you left the safety of the Red Keep, but much of King's Landing is seen by the small folk as lawless and terrifying. Our city should be safe for all its people. I agree. I just hope you don't have to maim half of my city to achieve this. There you go. That's uh, It's back. House of the Dragon. New episodes every Monday on Sky Atlantic. James Dempsey uh, joins us once again. So I suppose you should give the context. This is a prequel-y type thing. Yeah, it's a prequel. It's it's the second attempt to do a prequel to Game of Thrones. A pilot was filmed actually with Naomi Watts a couple of years ago and that was set oh. like 5,000 years and buried in HBO's <laughs> vaults never to be seen ever again. And this one instead comes from a book written by George R. R. Martin obviously and a man named Ryan Condal who is a filmmaker I wasn't that familiar with and when I looked him up his biggest kind of credits are two uh, like Dwayne Johnson the rock movies one being Hercules and the other one being Rampage neither of which mean <laughs> anything to me either so I and having um, you know having Game of Thrones end three years ago pre-pandemic in its you know uh, absolute decline into yes. uh, shambles shambles yeah. um, you know, I went in with fairly low expectations because I didn't know what to expect. And here we have Westeros set 172 years before Daenerys uh, does her thing. And the, uh, you know, the Targaryens are on the throne and they have many dragons. And basically, it, um, here we have a court, like, you know, uh, royal court drama. Yeah. Right? All about hereditary lines because we have the Targaryens as this you know, all powerful family that rules over the seven kingdoms of Westeros because they have dragons, uh, but they don't have sons is the problem, right? Right. And, uh, the you know, at the very beginning, we get this little, um, we get this little segment that's about how a king cho- has to choose a whole court comes together to pick an heir. And that's Pat- Paddy Considine. He's King Viserys. He's this ultimately nice guy it seems uh, who makes some very bad decisions yeah. <laughs> in this episode and uh, when we jump forward a little bit in time he's there with his daughter uh, played by Millie Alcock as the young princess Rhaenyra I say young because I think in the back half of the season of 10 episodes it's going to jump forward by about 20 years in the story mm-hmm. so at that point Emma Darcy is going to take over the role of princess Rhaenyra and there's only kind of two characters as far as I can tell that that happens to the other one being uh, Lady Alicent uh, who will be played by Olivia Cook later on. And look, what I liked about it was it was <laughs> it was both smaller scale and m- like massive spectacle, right? Now if you were to go back and watch Game of Thrones season 1 episode 1 
It would probably look like something RTE produced, right? <laughs> Ooh! <laughs> and by that I mean, if you compare it to the final season of Game of Thrones, it probably looks a bit ramshackle thrown together. The budget wasn't quite what it turned out to be. It wasn't mm. really until, uh, you know, season two or three when it became the most popular show in the world that they really, you know, started the money, money in into yeah. it. Yeah. But right from the get-go, this is just, I mean, there's just money on screen in every second of the show, right? Like the scale of the kingdom of the battle, well, there's no battle, there's like a tournament really, which is sort of a stand-in battle, is brutal and violent. The dragons all look very impressive, you know, uh, the CGI is fairly spotless. And, you know, I'll talk about She-Hulk later on where that is an issue in that show, right? But basically, what I liked about it was... Clearly, HBO has bet the bank on this, right? Mm, yeah. And they're going through a very public, difficult phase at the moment where they have uh, taken a lot of shows off the air, buried them never to be seen again, to write them off as a, a tax credit. And they clearly are hoping that this will be the show that gets people back, you know, in, in their good books or gets people back, well, whatever. <laughs> and yeah. what I liked about it was I saw someone tweeting like a, a, an apartment building in New York and you could see... You know, the lighting in all the windows was exactly the same as people were all watching <laughs> Game of, well, uh, House of the Dragon, which is referred to by its creators as Hot D. Right? OK. <laughs> um, and a little bit on Hot D, right? So uh, House of the Dragon is is a book written by George R. R. Martin, but it's not a novel. It's a bit like, you know, um, the Cimmerillion or, you know, uh, of, of the Lord of the Rings yes, franchise. Yeah. It's, it's history, his, historical non-fiction quote-unquote right I don't know quite I don't know quite what to say it is but um, it isn't this big grandiose novel you know that yeah. like a series of it's novels a rather. Type it's thing, a novel yeah, yeah it's a, it, and it I think it, it has about 15 chapters and this first season covers about four of them so the plan I think for this is to, for it to only run for two to three seasons but what's a strength that it has is that you know one of the major complaints leveled against Game of Thrones way back when is that um, you know the books weren't there right by around season six maybe they ran out of George yes, or Mar- yeah. Martin books and they knew where he was going to eventually bring the characters so they had to force them into this end that didn't feel organic or natural to many of the you know the, mm. the performances that we saw on the screen whereas at least I think in this one there is a roadmark already to the end. Right, okay. But say in, in, in like the, the, the final disastrous season, particularly of, of Game of Thrones, was all about, I mean, the money was on the screen there and was all things blowing up and all the rest of it. Whereas the, your, your first RTE produced episode <laughs> uh, gripped you because it was a palace intrigue. Yeah. It was succession with, with more boobs in it, probably. But, <laughs> uh, but, but you know what, had that kind of thing. Does, does this have that kind of quality to it? So uh, uh, some of the criticisms that have been levelled against this episode, and I will say I've only seen one of them, right, is that it's a little bit repetitive, right? Because the scale of it is a bit smaller, mm. uh, you know, we don't have, so far anyway, uh, we don't have like ice zombies. <laughs> we don't have the wall. We don't, you know, it's all, yeah. it's all sort of be- based in Westeros and it's all about the Targaryen family. So it's about the infighting they're in, right? Yeah. So in that sense, it is a little bit more like succession, right? It's about how basically, uh, you know, uh, it's about how one of the brothers, played by Matt Smith of Doctor Who fame, who is very good at being a villain, in mm. fairness to him, he's, he's Prince Daemon, <laughs> quite on the nose mm-hmm. name, and he's the baddie, I would say, right? Okay. That's the impression we're getting. But certainly there appears to be, a, you know, they're going more for court intrigue 
with huge spectacle as well, right? But because the spectacle is all maintained within uh, uh, peacetime, certainly at the beginning yeah. anyway, right? The spectacle comes from things like, so, you know, in this first episode, there's a, uh, you know, to celebrate, right, basically the king is inviting all the lords of Westeros to come to Westeros in order to attend a, a, a tournament. And we get this very, like, very old school Game of Thrones, very violent tournament where, you know, I don't know the rules of quote unquote medieval tournaments. Tournamenting. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but they seem to be breaking a few of them anyway, <laughs> as far as I can tell. But um, I will say I did read going into it that like they were, you know, they were going to address a lot of the uh, early criticisms leveled against Game of Thrones, which were it had too much sex and particularly too much violence against women, yeah. female nudity that was unnecessary and a lot of scenes of sexual assault. And there is a <laughs> there's a scene, um, you know, in a, in a brothel uh, in this episode, which seems to be cut from the cloth of, of the old school Game of Thrones uh, mm. playbook. So I'm not quite sure what to say on that part yet. Yeah, okay. I suppose, I suppose we, is it the same two lads who were in charge of who no. went to Trinity and all no, that No, stuff no, no. So they um they I think they as far as I'm aware, they were offered some role in it but they they have walked away. Last I heard they were they they've been offered like a Star Wars uh, trilogy or franchise to launch by themselves but I don't know if that's fallen through now either. So I don't know. Oh, uh, oh they're right. doing the 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 three body problem, if that's what it's called, is this famous uh, Chinese science fiction book. I can't remember if that's what it's called, but yeah. they're making that for Netflix. So that's actually what they're working. Ah, on. right. Okay. Now, and so coming to this though, for anyone who perhaps has never seen Game of Thrones and doesn't know about the many of the things who the Targaryens were or the dragons or the wall or Westeros. Yeah. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2 p.m. On News Talk. You know that this family is going down, right? Because that's what happens in, you know, when when we pick up in 172 years later, the Baratheon is on the throne, right? Um, But I would say if you have never seen it before, what you will be really surprised by here is just the spectacle, right? Like yeah. The whole season, this first season, I think the bu- estimated budget is less than $20 million per episode. So roughly $200 million for this one season of TV. Okay. And that's a lot of money. Uh, you know, Amazon has gone beyond that for its Lord of the Rings, which is coming next, uh, in, next month in September. They spent like $465 million on that. And are we, you know, are we entering this phase of the streaming war where only the deepest pockets that can create the most spectacle will, you know, will hold on? Yeah. Well, I look forward to RT's production of War and Peace. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, we'll move on to our second show today. It is Bad Sisters. New episodes are every Friday on Apple TV+. Plus. Here's a clip. She wasn't always like that. He's sucking the life out of her. She doesn't stand up to him, though. You say anything to her and she thinks that you're jealous. She doesn't. She knows that's not why we're just him getting to her. Well, we just have to wait till he dies of cancer or something. Yeah, best part of our life will be over by then. I don't know. He's got gout and that ulcer. Lucky Windy could f*** off in the next ten. Happened before then. People get killed every day. What's that mean? I mean, why not give nature a helping hand? All our worries will be over. <laughs> I often think about punching through that soft spot in his head. Right through to his brain. This is PB. I feed him to the Hurley's pigs. Bury him piece by piece in their mushroom beds. More for him to grow out of. Fine, I'd tamper with the brakes if you ball up on you what the I was doing. Shove him into deep dark water. Feed him to the sharks. Let the seagulls. I get his eyes out.
Right, that's uh, uh, Bad Sisters uh, in Europe. This is every Friday, Apple TV uh, Plus. So a Sharon Horgan show actually featuring Sharon Horgan. That makes a refreshing change. <laughs> True. But actually set in Ireland uh, for once. Right? Ah, right. So this is a remake of a Flemish TV show called Clan, uh, which aired on Channel 4 or, or All 4 as part of the Walter Presents, you know, international mm. series. Yeah. Uh, not called Clan, uh, given another name, which I can't remember off the top of my head. And it is a story about these five sisters uh, played by you know the big well the only one who isn't Irish I guess is Anne-Marie Duff but she's uh, she ably pulls off her Irish yeah. accent but played by Sharon Horgan Anne-Marie Duff Ava Berthesel Sarah Green and Eve Hewson uh, who basically decide to come together with the exception of Anne-Marie Duff to kill her husband <laughs> and right she's kill Anne-Marie Duff's husband yes, yes. okay and he is pay- he's played by Clay Spang who uh, is this uh, now look he's what he's, a name he's Danish so I'm okay. sure I'm mispronouncing that terribly yeah. but he is the most prolific person I have ever seen I went onto his Wikipedia and he like literally has been in everything and mm. records music and uh, like he's just he's very very prolific and um I have to admit I the first episode I was very much on the fence by but it really got me by the second it has a very difficult job to do right because it's going for this you know, pitch black comedy where they have to convince you that this guy deserves to be murdered, yeah, yeah. right? Can you tell us what their, their ostensible reason yeah. is? So their ostensible reason is that he's he's a terrible husband. He's coercive. He's abusive. Uh, not maybe in... He, he's he, you know he's to, he's toxic masculinity right okay. and and their sister play <laughs> their sister Grace played by Anne Marie Dove is wilting you know as his wife and he is uh, exerting increasing amount of control over both her and her daughter and the sisters each uh, he sort of he he manages to get a foothold in their lives as well in different ways and what the show does incredibly successfully is all of his little like microaggressions right against them if you know if that's the right term to even use right he is uh, like he's this like kind of pantomime villain but you do sort of feel that under the uh, surface he's just an absolute bad egg through right. and through now so far <laughs> I deserve to be murdered <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, look, by the second episode when they, you know, <laughs> when they put a plan together, I kind of was on board with it. Right? OK, all right. Because, uh, you know, um, there's a there's a, a very uh, interesting scene in the second episode that's set at a family confirmation. The least attended, the least attended church family confirmation you've ever seen. Right. <laughs> but um, definitely, I guess, a, a, a rite of passage for Irish people nonetheless. And uh in it, um, you know, he does these terrible things to the sisters and, and, and I guess I was on their side by the end of it, right? Apart from that, um, right, the, all of the actresses are doing really, really, really good stuff here, right? Mm. They're all likeable. They're all different. They all have uh, various different grievances against, against uh, JP. And then we have a shifting timeline because in the present, when the episode opens, uh, the first episode opens, JP is dead. He's lying in state in the, you know, oh, in, in, right. in the living okay. room. And the local uh, insurance company played by, uh, you know, the, the Claffin and Sons played by Breen Gleeson <laughs> and Daryl McCormack, who's having a really good year, actually. Uh, he's the guy in Good Luck to You, Leo Legrand. Um they need to not pay out, right? Because they're in financial they're in financial doldrums. So they are investigating at the same time whether or not there's anything suspicious. They don't really have grounds yet, but they just can't pay out. Yeah. Otherwise, they'll lose their business. So you have 
the shifting timeline between JP being just this awful brother-in-law, husband, father, the sisters coming together to plan their events, the future, or I guess, pre- well, the present when they are, you know, uh, when we when he is dead, but we don't know how, mm. by, whose, by whom's hand or by what means. Um, and then you have the insurance company all looking into events, you know. And it, it, the whole thing, I thought, despite having a lot of balls up in the air, the second episode, I thought, was really strong and really... Um, emotionally like powerful but also very funny as well Yeah, and I liked it a lot more by the end of the second one yeah okay yeah I like the sound of that <laughs> and it's you know it's kind of I suppose it, and this is not meant as a criticism there's kind of comedies that are kind of Sharon Horgany yeah. and if you like that you know you can <laughs> yeah well yeah. In, in fairness I think um, a fair criticism to level against Sharon Horgan is she kind of plays the same role in everything and yeah. you know like and I don't mean that like as any huge criticism I like what she does like yeah. she's very yeah. very funny in Catastrophe she's very funny in This Way Up right yeah. I, and I like that kind of uh, sarcastic sister older mm. sister type here she plays a more maternal side uh, as she you know um, the, the, the five sisters their parents died when they were young and she's the eldest one so she sort of took them under her wing so you get to see a different side from her in the sense that she's a bit more emotionally vulnerable than you you might have seen her before but she's still got the one-liners as well yeah and I suppose it's interesting as well that this is because what we've just described is if somebody just tuned in they go this is a horrific sounding show but it's also a comedy Uh, so you know uh, um, that's a tricky one to to pull off Uh, so I like the sound of that Uh, Pretty, it's on Apple TV Plus now. That's the only problem with it there. Well, you, right. can, you can watch the first episode for free. Oh, can you? Yeah. yeah. But, oh, but the second one is better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, our third show is a she... <laughs> Title of the week goes to this one. She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. Uh, new episodes every Wednesday on Disney Plus. Here's a clip. But we can't pretend. Like, we are two of the few people on Earth that can actually protect her. Which is why we have to make sure of your ability to tolerate distress and regulate your emotions, especially your anger. Well, here's the thing, Bruce. I'm great at controlling my anger. Mm. I do it all the time. When I'm catcalled in the street, when incompetent men explain my own area of expertise to me, I do it pretty much every day because if I don't, I will get called emotional or difficult or might just literally get murdered. So I'm an expert at controlling my anger because I do it infinitely more than you. So all of this just feels like projecting a lot of onto me. See? No, I'm doing this. Okay, this is completely new territory. (laughs) You guys have outgrown your binder, cuz. Yeah, shut up, Mr. Hulk. Stop mansplaining. <laughs> uh, so, right. So explain how there is a She-Hulk and so, why they call her She-Hulk, which <laughs> even by its very nature is a sexist sounding thing. So actually, the reason why there's a She-Hulk is to do with the 1970s Incredible Hulk. And it's actually more to do with the Six Million Dollar Man. So the Six Million Dollar Man had That's the bionic... Outside the MCU, I would <laughs> it have thought, Originally, yeah. yes, right? So the, the Six Million Dollar Man had the bionic woman as a spin-off. And, yeah. and the idea came up, up for or why don't we, you know, uh, make... Uh, he's not Bruce Banner in the Incredible Hulk TV show. He's something else. But 
I think he's David Banner. Um, why don't we make his sister uh, a Hulk as well? And then it fell apart or the show got cancelled or something. But Marvel Comics, MCU, mm. well, um, Marvel Comics rather than the U part, they uh, liked the idea and created the character in the 80s. And the character is his cousin, uh, Jennifer Walters, who is uh, an attorney at law in, uh, I think she lives in California. And she and Bruce are driving around one day when they get involved in a little car accident and some of his blood gets mixed into her bloodstream. And because she also has the same gamma ray DNA supporting whatevers, um, she becomes the She-Hulk, right? And the whole point of the Hulk is that he's this, you know, uh, mindless, savage brute who when he hulks out, he cannot control any sense at all. But uh, but She-Hulk is a woman (laughs) and she's much more in control of her emotions. And therefore, when she becomes the She-Hulk, she's exactly the same as she always is. Maybe a bit more... uh, uh, hulky and green uh, hulky and green I think she becomes six foot seven her hair grows out uh, her clothes split in less uh, <laughs> <laughs> well they always did didn't they yeah in less uh, wow it's amazing his ass never gets any bigger uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, this is the last show in I think is it phase five or phase four of the TV MCU universe and uh, based on the one episode that we had come out l- last week I liked it. I didn't love it, but I liked it. Uh, one thing that's a little strange about it is that She-Hulk breaks the fourth wall uh, and she, ah. I think, will refer to herself as being in the MCU at some point as well. Um, and what I do like a lot about the character is she's played by Tatiana Maslany, who people will know if you watched Ocean, uh, Orphan Black, sorry, uh, for which she won an Emmy Award where she played like all these different clones yeah. and imbued each one of them with a real sense of, you know, individual identity. And uh, when this was originally announced, I think around 2019, uh, they were talking about Alison Brie. They were looking for an Alison Brie type to take over the role. And I think everyone was quite pleased when they went with uh, Tatiana Maslany because she's very, very, very good and she's very, very funny. And uh, if you're in any way tempted, I think another kind of selling point is it's written or created by Jessica Gao. And she uh, is probably most famous for writing Rick and Morty episodes, particularly Pickle Rick, which is probably the most famous uh, and beloved of all the Rick and Morty episodes. So if you like her kind of uh, out there stuff, uh, I don't know if we're going to get all that because Disney and the MCU really, you know, pulls very strongly or leans very heavily on on its creators. But uh, look, first episode in, I thought it was okay. These MCU shows, they can go either way and they can dip in quality. I, you know, I, I really liked the first episode of Miss Marvel. It didn't quite go the whole, <laughs> the whole distance for me. Uh, never quite recaptured the first episode's fun. This opening episode, I thought the chemistry between her and, and Mark Ruffalo was, was solid. We didn't really get to meet anyone else in it because an awful lot of the episode was sort of dedicated to her explanation yeah, yeah she hulking out for the first time now is uh, 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 Mr. Hulk's only in it for the first episode is he or does he pop in it uh, uh, as yet unknown <laughs> but, right um, what I do know is though uh, you know in basically in, in future episodes she Hulk goes back well uh, Jessica, Jennifer Walters rather she goes back to her LA law firm and becomes specifically involved in its like superhero division so she will be encountering other superheroes and supervillains in the MCU from a legal perspective. Right, okay, suing them. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty uh, much. So then why is uh, um why is Daredevil in it? Because Daredevil's set 
in New York. Yeah, uh, yes. So Daredevil is getting um, a second shot, right? They're bringing him back. Uh, the, he's getting another you know series of that. Yeah, there's yeah. An, it, I think that is part of Phase Five, right? So he is a lawyer uh, in his in his day job when he's not a fairly miserable uh, blind guy in, yeah. in New York. <laughs> in talking about I mean, Hell's Kitchen, always talking yeah. about Hell's Kitchen as if it's its own like city in New York. Uh, he is he's. Uh, What's his name? Matt Murdock. Matt yeah. When he's not uh, fighting the kingpin, he's, I guess, fighting injustice. So I think they're helping to soft launch him back in. Uh, he, he's already made a reappearance in one of the MCU uh, features. And now they're, yeah. they're soft launching him back again in this. Right. Okay. Because there was... There was like Daredevil and Jessica Jones and I can't remember the other yeah. ones but that, 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 who are all kind of lived Iron around fists, the corner yeah, from each yeah, other. The and, Defenders and, and, and they came yeah. and, But that was kind of interesting in that it wasn't like they weren't battling aliens. You know, Jessica Jones is a alcoholic yeah uh, and you know so it was more slightly more grounded yeah. than now, as far as I can tell Jessica Jones Iron Fist and I can't remember the other guy's Luke name Cage. Luke Cage yeah. thank you that Great was like Christmas. a 1970s blaxploitation <laughs> yes. movie but uh, great music on it. well Iron <laughs> Fist I think only got one season anyway and that has been shelved and no one I think wants to see that mm. again but uh, Jessica Jones was very like Jessica mm. Jones outlasted I think even the rest of them I think it got yeah. an extra season on Netflix I don't know if they're coming back or not but yeah. uh, but Daredevil they're, they're trying to right watch. okay so she's not part of that coterie this is the no. new sunny west coast yeah. iteration yes. of it okay all right so based on the first episode you it was know, you don't. yeah yeah and it's look it's only half an hour so it's a little legal comedy there were plenty of laughs in the first episode and look the cgi was not game of thrones it didn't def- it definitely didn't cost 20 million dollars an episode but at the end of the day you just have to suspend disbelief and believe that she's a green woman <laughs> uh, we already know that is she like green during the day or only when she gets angry <laughs> so she she can she when she gets annoyed she she becomes green and her hair gets much longer but she um she can she can de-hulk. I don't know what the verb is. Okay, but then she just looks like a regular person. Then she just looks like, yeah. Ah, right. Okay. Uh, Lenny certainly isn't going to watch it. He says, "Strange to hear you fretting about a Game of Thrones se- uh, Game of Thrones sexist misogyny." And then a few minutes later, play a clip of quite vicious sexist misandry, which is apparently okay. So Lenny <laughs> won't be watching the misandrists. Uh, uh, she Hulk, attorney <laughs> at law. It's riddled with it, really. Little riddled with it. Uh, the three shows we were talking about today were House of the Dragon every Monday in Sky Atlantic. Bad Sisters new episodes every Friday on Apple TV Plus and She-Hulk Attorney at Law every Wednesday on Disney Plus James Dempsey thanks a million Thank you, you are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk I'm going to take a break after that how to predict a tantrum Moncrief brought to you by Avant Money think you're getting the best value from your bank think again weekdays at 2pm on News Talk